If we haven't had the opportunity to meet yet, my name is Paul. I'm the lead pastor here at Gulfside. We're so glad that you're here with us this weekend. We're kicking off a new series called Reclaimed, Resetting the Table. Because the, the fact is, dinner time used to be one thing, and it's, and it's really changed. It's become something else. Did, did you know that historically dinner time has usually been about 90-minute occasion for a family? Current generation, we average 12 minutes spent together at dinner. Isn't that crazy how that's changed? And it's been a, it's been a place where so many conversations, so many important intergenerational conversations have occurred but now that's kind of moved over for like McDonald's and Happy Meals and eating in the car on the go. Did you know one out of five of our meals right now are eaten while driving, while in the car? For the mathematicians in the room figured out that's one meal every other day that we're eating as we're driving somewhere. And we're missing out on some really powerful, some really important moments as families that we should be spending together. And today's passage we're going to be looking at it comes from Deuteronomy 6. And this is a famous passage. It's, it's the discipleship model, the model for raising up kids in the faith. This is one of the historic places that you go to for the way that God has designed the family to be and the way that faith is supposed to live in the home. In Deuteronomy 6, in verse 4, it starts off and it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your, on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. It begins to paint this picture of having, having it everywhere. Before we dive too much in, into this passage as I was preparing this, I was reminded uh, of some basketball heroes. Now, I, I understand we're from different generations, and we have different basketball heroes, and some of you guys are wrong, and some of us are right about that. But I grew up in the 80s, and so for me, the first basketball names that I really knew were Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We got some people who are right in the room. They had some epic battles. If you've never watched Larry Bird play, Larry Bird, he played with passion and intensity and anger at times. I mean, he was someone who, when you're on the court against him, you became an enemy. And, and he was an epic trash talker. Dennis Rodman was one of the NBA best defensive players of all time. And there was an occasion where Dennis Rodman was trying to guard Larry Bird. And Dennis is basically hugging him. And Larry Bird's going off for near 50 points. And he's, and he's calling to his team while Dennis is hugging him. Hurry and pass me the ball before they realize no one's guarding me. And, and he was yelling to Dennis's coach, Chuck, you forgot to put someone on me. I mean, like he was, when you were against him on the court, he was going to just stomp you into the ground. And so his relationship with Magic Johnson was one where they saw each other as enemies. And, and they, they, were, they were at the top of their game. And, and so they didn't even like to make eye contact with each other. And then in 1985, Converse had them do a commercial together. And they were going to appear in this commercial together, and it was going to be in Larry Bird's hometown of French Lick, Indiana. And so they go, and Magic doesn't really know how to act here. He, he's in Larry Bird's territory, and they, they're doing the shooting, and then they had the break for lunch, and they're trying to go their opposite ways because they don't even really like to look each other, at each other that much. And Larry Bird's mama was on the scene. We always know mama's going to do something when she's on the scene, right? And, and she, she told everyone, I made lunch for everybody. Everybody come sit at the table. And she, she sat everyone down at the table because she made lunch. 
And Larry Bird and Magic Johnson started talking, and they realized they had so many things in common. And these guys who didn't really want to look at each other at first, they actually became very good friends. And, and it's funny how something as simple as a table and food can move people who don't want to say anything to, to each other. It can move them from the, the realm of near enemies, of rivals, to close friends. And when we look at the ministry of Jesus, we, we see so many conversations that happened over food. When we look at, across the Old Testament, we see so many times where it's like God did a miracle and it was celebrated for generations by, by a meal. You'd have this meal and a plate would have a meaning and the cup would have a meaning. And the family, as they had that meal together, remembering what God had done, they would celebrate each meaning through conversation at that meal. Historically, meals have just been that place where families settle down and settle back together and go through what's happening, but we've currently just kind of stepped away from that, and that's why I say that like, we need to reclaim the table. This is a time that has been moving into something else, but we need to kind of dial this back within our households, and we can't control what happens other places, but we can control what happens in our house. And what I want you to see, I'm going to look at a very specific application of Deuteronomy 6, because there's so many different areas that we can apply it to, but I want to call our attention to something very practical, something that we can live out over the course of the next week and apply. And so we're going to be looking at this in some very specific ways, and I'm going to give you a very specific challenge at the end of this message. I'm going to tell you about it before, I'm going to tell you about it through, I'm going to remind you and ask you to take a step about it at the end of the message, and it's this, that we reclaim the table. That, that at dinner, that this week, at least three nights per week, you sit down with everyone in your household and you eat a meal together. And you don't just eat a meal together because I know that sometimes we're physically present, but we are just mentally somewhere else because we've got a phone in front of our face. One of the things about this I want to ask, and I'm going to ask you, for these three special meals where you engage with your family, you put that phone in another room. You get rid of it. The TV is off. And you engage in some intentional conversations with the people that are in your household. And you might be saying, well, I'm single. I, I leave, live alone. Well, then when you have dinner with a friend, when you have lunch with a friend or a coworker, then that's your, your time to apply this. They may not know that you're applying it, and that's okay. But you're going to engage with them. And you're going to look for God to use these times because there's some important things, especially for those of us who have kids. There's things about you that your kids should know. Can your kids tell the story of how you came to faith in Christ? Have they heard that from you? Have they heard the story of how you fell in love with your spouse? Do they know when and how that happened? Have they ever heard you talk about your love for God? Because it's so powerful when a child Here's a parent tell about their faith, especially in a setting like that. These are moments that we want to lean into and that I believe that we're called to lean into. As we see Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, it starts off with a clarification, a, a statement about the truth of who God is. It says, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is who he is. And then in verse 5, it gives instruction, love the Lord your God with all your heart. And, and we're going to stop right there for a minute because the instruction, if you, 
if you've just kind of been around church, usually we think about the instructions from Scripture about how we're supposed to interact, interact with God is just obedience, obedience, obedience. Like, here's the rules. Listen to the rules. Don't break the rules or you'll get smushed by the huge thumb of God. Like, that's what it, it, we usually kind of think about. But the place that God starts with the way that we're supposed to live with him, it's not obedience, it's love. Because that's what he wants for us. Love leads to obedience, but obedience doesn't always lead towards love. And the calling that God has on you, what he wants from his people, is that first they give their heart and then their actions follow in line. Because we don't want, we don't want to fake it. You don't want to fake it. You don't want to pretend to, to want to do something that you don't want to do. It looks a mess. I mean, we see this played out in marriages. Like if husband walked home on anniversary and had candle or had candy and flowers and walked by and here's your candy, here's your flowers, happy anniversary, box checked, romance. Like if that was the idea, well, I did what I was supposed to do. I don't understand why you're upset. I got you candy and flowers. They're laying over there by the door. That's not necessarily romance. That, that, the heart is not in that moment. But truly expressing love, truly expressing love to your spouse will lead you into these physical mo- expressions of your love that are meaningful. And it's not just about candy and flowers because especially when you have kids, you learn some of the biggest acts of love is being the one who gets out of bed at night when someone's tapping on your face got a three-year-old who just moved out of the crib, and so that's, that's my reality right now. And, and so one of the things in, in our life is, you know, we express love to each other by, by serving each other, by taking care of the kids and taking care of the house, and it's one of the ways that love is expressed, and it may not be glamorous to clean up the stuff that comes out of a kid that's not supposed to come out of a kid, but so much of a healthy marriage looks that way. It's like, this is difficult. This is challenging. But because I love this person, I want to serve them in this way. In the same way, our love for God, he's going to call us to do things that are difficult, that are challenging, that test our strength, that test our patience, that that test our will. And the way that we can step into those challenging spaces isn't just by choosing to be more obedient. It's to be led into it by love that says, I love God And he's moved in my heart, and I love him so much that I'm willing to pay this cost. I'm willing to take this risk. I'm willing to give this up, not just because he says so, but because my heart is his. I mean, this is the first part of living for God, is loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And we see the opposite of this happen because just like it's not healthy in a marriage relationship to be doing things because you should, because you ought to, you know, our heart has to be in it. God talks about in Amos chapter five how he actually says it this way, and this sounds incredibly harsh, but, the, but he says, I hate all of your religious festivals. I, I, I hate your meals to me. I hate your songs Because you have moved away from me. Because you you do not care about justice. You do not care about mercy. Your hearts are far from me. We we, we see Jesus talking about how people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. God is not interested in hollow obedience. He says it starts with the heart, and then those things follow. And so we, as, as members of a household, 
one of the questions that we need to figure out how to answer is how do I encourage my household, my spouse, my children, how do I encourage them in their faith and build them up? One of the easy, practical applications that we're looking at this week is how can we do that during the mealtimes? Because that's when everything else is supposed to stop. How, how can I engage and lean into these moments where I can help build up their faith and teach them how to love God at mealtimes? And I mean, it just, it seems like such a silly small step, but especially in this generation as parents, one of the first things that we need to do is we need to just, for this space, the world will be okay, social media will be okay, my email will be okay, my work will be okay for an hour while my phone is in a different room. And I am fully present with my kids. I'm fully present with my spouse. This person has my attention. And begin to engage in intentional conversation. Because the people that God has given you for this season, and the older we get, the more we learn that we only have the gift of certain people for times. We want to lean into these opportunities to love them, encourage them, and speak with them. We don't want to just let them go by on things that don't matter, and we want to reclaim that time because we've been letting these, these things that feel urgent just push out things that are really important. And it re- is really important to have these conversations right now. It is important in this stage where you are with the people that God has given you to let them know how you feel about God, how you feel about them, about, about what you believe God is going to do over the course of the next year in your family. To have these conversations is so important. And, and this is just one of the thoughts that I want you guys to hang on to. Don't let the urgent overcome the important. Don't let the urgent overcome the important. There's so many things that they have a sense of urgency, but they are not important. And for us as families, as people who are leading our families, we need to see that this time spent with them is important. And the passage continues on. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now, now this is interesting because all of our heart, okay, that makes sense. We, we need to love God with our heart. All of our soul, that sounds very spiritual. That makes sense. All of our strength. What does it mean that Scripture calls us to love God with all of our strength? There's a physical application to this. That there is a part of us that's going to feel like this is this requires strength, like loving God, living for God. The context in here dictates to you that it's going to be challenging at times. There'll be times in the way that you are living for God, the way that you're trying to lead your family, the way you're trying to conduct yourself in your workplace, where you want to lose your cool. But you know, like right now, there is a fight inside of me where I'm going to choose to do what's going to make me feel better, or I'm going to choose to honor God in this moment. There's times where it will require all your strength to live for God the way that you're supposed to. You will feel the tension. And I say that for, for a couple of reasons. One is that if you've been living in that space where you feel like this is difficult, it's okay that it's difficult. It's okay to be walking through a difficult time. And you need to understand that, that this is a muscle that you will learn to flex. There will be times and seasons that are harder than others. And the calling in Scripture is to love the Lord your God with all of your, str- your strength. There will be difficult conversations that have to occur. There will be difficult changes that you will have to make within your household. 
I think that's one of the challenges, like specifically talking about changing the way that we do family dinner. It's a challenging space, especially the older, kid, older your kids get, because they start to be like, oh, like you're trying to be spiritual now. Like, you're trying to be spiritual now, and so you're trying to incorporate this, but we've always done it this way, like, who are you trying to be? And there's this tension there. And part of the tension is felt, and I'll speak for fathers, that when you try to improve in this, that there's a sense of guilt. It's a sense of shame, that I should have been doing this all along. But now I'm trying to lead conversations into this space, and so it's easier for me to just stay on mute because now I have to feel this sense of I should have been doing this all along. And it's a challenging space to enter into, and it requires strength. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Some of you guys, to step into what I'm asking you, I understand that it's going to be hard because there's going to be pushback. But you know what? How much does your teenager know anyway, right? I mean, you've had the conversations like, you know, all oh, my other friends do this, and you, you tell them, I don't care what all your other friends, well, their parents, I don't care, like, you're my kid, like, this is what you're supposed to do because you're mine, and I tell you, just the way that you know to say that to them, God says that to you. I don't care what you've been doing, I don't care how it's been, you're my child, and this is what you're supposed to do, so step into this space. We know it requires strength. It requires change. It requires humility. And they might say, oh, well, this will last a week. Who cares? I would rather you do the right thing for a week than just say, oh, I'll probably fail anyway. Because the fact is, when we begin to say yes to God in any space, it creates momentum into every other space. If you can't say yes to God on something that's easy, how are you going to say yes to him on something that's challenging? And beginning within the, the walls of our own household to begin to change the way that we eat a meal together, that's not that hard of a space to enter into. But I will tell you, I mean, like going to Jesus' illustration, if you have faith of this mustard seed, one small yes to God can open up so many new areas in your life. One small change, it will surprise you how much God can do with that one small area. And so one of the big areas of, of adding something into our dinner time routine, and I'll, and I'll say it'll take some strength, is prayer. Praying before a meal. And that might sound easy. You might have a rehearsed prayer that you've said for, for decades. Uh, and I'm going to ask you to go away from that as part of this. And I'm going to ask you to, to thank God for the food. And, and I just want to say, do we have that picture of food that we often ask God to bless? I mean, it's kind of a weird thing, like, we're like, God, bless this food to our body, and he's like, you want me to bless that? <laughs> that cow's day isn't going to get any better from where it is right now. Like, uh, it's kind of a weird and spiritual thing to just say, God, bless our food. The example that we see in Scripture the most is actually just thanking God for the blessing of our food. Like, that, that we have food, and that's a blessing. That there's food on this table, and that we're thankful for it. We, we don't need him to bless it. What we want to ask, and this is what I want, I want you to express thankfulness and gratitude to God for your food as you pray. Make this easy. And I want you to ask him to bless the people in your household. Ask him to bless the people in your life. Show your kids how to pray for someone else. Pray for them. Pray for a neighbor. If you've really got some courage, you can, you can step out into this. This is, this is the extra credit version. If you go out to eat, ask your server how you can pray for them. 
It might actually save you from that awkward moment where you're trying to pray and they're trying to like give you a drink or ask you a question and you're like, do I ignore them and keep praying? Like what's the more spiritual thing to do here? Do I like stop talking to God and talk to them? It'll, it'll stop that if you just have a conversation like this and I, I've done this a few times and it, it's a really cool experience. You say, hey, in a moment, I'm gonna thank God for my food and I like to, to just ask a blessing for our, our server. I'm so thankful that you're here serving us today. Is there anything that I can pray for you for? And sometimes people will be weirded out and they'll be like, um, no, I'm good. Uh, and sometimes God will place you in the right moment at the right time and you'll immediately see tears coming to that person's eyes and they'll say, yes, this is going on in my family. Please pray for me. We've had servers ask if they could hold our hands and pray with us. We, we've had servers that were just kind of shook up through the rest of the meal because like, that was such an irregular thing to do. But however the prayer plays out within your household, the, the challenge that, I, that I'm going to give to you guys today, I'm going to ask for you to carry it to Thanksgiving. And it doesn't have to be every single meal of every single day, but at least for the next about three weeks, I, I want to ask that, that at least three times you guys engage in this together as a family to, to build up that strength, to build up that momentum. Three dinners per week, phones in a different room, TV off, intentional conversations. The, the reason we want to have intentional conversations, because as the passage says in, in verse 6, it says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. They're to be on your hearts, because the fact is when something's on our heart, it always makes its way out into our mouth and out into our interactions with people. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 12, 34. He says, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever's on your heart, it's, it's going to make its way into your conversations. And the instructions in Deuteronomy is that God's laws, his commandments, the, the things about how we're supposed to live, those are supposed to be on our hearts. So it's only natural that the thing that's on our heart, that God's word, if it's on our heart, will make its way into conversations at our dinner, dinner table. And so when I say intentional conversations, we want to lead into these spaces. And, and so... We've actually made a card for you guys that they're going to have as you exit the room that you can grab. And not all of these are biblical. Like, one of the questions is, if you could sit front row for any Bible story, which one would you pick and why? And that'll lead into a conversation about a biblical topic with your kids. That's great. It also has some of them, some of the questions are, what is your earliest memory? And over the course of the next seven days, pick one question from this card to discuss at a meal as a family. And... The goal is to move from it's strange for us to sit and talk and not have devices or TV on where it's normal to hear about what's in each other's hearts. And especially with us as leaders of our homes, that we lead in with Scripture on our heart and teach our kids what it looks like to follow God in our household and not just at church. So, we want to lean intentionally into these things. But you, a lot of you guys know that T and I, we were gone last weekend because we were celebrating 15 years of marriage. She, yeah, sainthood. She, she deserves sainthood for that. Um, and we went away for three nights, and my mom is a rock star. She's here today. And she handled the kids, all four of them, yes. Um, 
And, and don't get me wrong as I tell this story, because I am not at all saying we are a perfect family or a perfect father or a perfect marriage. We are a comedy of errors. Um, and yeah, people who know stories are laughing right now. Um, <laughs> but it was a really cool moment. And you know, after being away from my kids for three nights, like we really start to miss them. And you know, your heart starts to get gooey, like despite all of the, the pain and lack of sleep they can put you through. And you're ready for those hugs and those kisses. And as we're getting back and we're, we've been missing them so much, uh, my, my daughter Ella, one of the first things that she had to say to me was, can we have a family night tonight? And so I got something in my eye at that moment, um, water. Um, our kids, our family members, they need our time. They don't, they don't need our success. They, they don't need us to look a certain way. They need us. God has positioned you in their life. God has given you an opportunity. And we have to step into those opportunities and seize them. And if you guys will come on up, I'm going to begin to close this thing up. I want to do a better job at leaning into these conversations with my family, too. Uh, we, we have family dinner regularly with each other, but we can definitely do better at this. And these conversations, though they seem small, it might seem like such a small thing to sit down and, and look at each other and talk to each other at dinner time but they create such big change. Around Gulfside, we remind ourselves of Luke 19, 10 a lot, which is where Jesus really kind of just throws down his purpose statement. He says, this is why I came. In Luke 19, 10, it says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. But that passage where he declares, this is why I'm here, it came within the context of his interaction with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a man who was despised. He was re referred to as a, a terrible sinner, and Jesus, while walking by, looked at him and invited himself into his household and said, I must eat with you today in your house. And Zacchaeus came down, and it was at that dining table where the conversation and the experience of being with Jesus transformed who he was. It was in that moment where he stood up and he says, if I've cheated anyone, then I'm going to repay them four times what, what, what I took. I'm going to make things right. I'm going to give half of my wealth to the poor. And we saw transformation, and Jesus said, salvation has come to this house today. And it wasn't through a church service. It was through a meal. And I believe one of the most powerful things that you can do for the faith of your children, it's not a big grand gesture. It's the regular, mundane, let's do dinner together. You have my attention. Here's what God is doing in my heart this is the way that I'm seeing it at work. And it's one of the biggest things of transformation that we can do for our kids and, and begin to do for our spouse and our family. You know, going back to the story of Magic Johnson and Larry, Bo Larry Bird, you know, they became friends through that meal. And you remember in the late 80s and the early 90s, um, Magic Johnson contracted HIV, and at that time, it was very much a death sentence. It was a terrifying prospect for anyone who got that diagnosis. That, that meal changed them so much that Larry Bird was actually one of the people that Magic called to talk to about it. Larry, whose only passion was basketball, 
that he was so brokenhearted for magic in that moment that he could barely play the basketball game that night. And it all roots back to this just unlikely interaction of a meal together. It's amazing how change can occur in such a small moment, but I want to encourage you that change does happen in small moments, in small yeses. And specifically today, that if God is putting something on your heart, if you've been around church and you're saying, I need, to, I need to get myself right with God, I've been around church, but he's never had my heart, then you need to follow that today. If you're sitting here thinking, I need to, I need to take this challenge to have these meals with my family where we engage with each other, we put distractions aside, we put God at the center of it, then I encourage you, say yes, take that step today, because there, there's, a, there's a spiritual truth that when God calls us to do something, when he speaks to us about something, we will have to choose. And this is what ends up happening in people's lives. I feel like God is talking to me about this. I'll choose to follow him or I'll choose to ignore him. And if I choose to ignore him, if I move to this space when he's speaking to me about anything, eventually to reconcile the pain of not being where I'm supposed to be, I will either change my behavior or I will change my belief. And this is why saying yes to God when he speaks to us is so important because eventually within you, you will find an excuse. You will find a person or an offense to say, you know what, I just don't believe in that anymore. I don't want to be a part of that anymore. I'm, I'm gone because of them, because of this. But in reality, it's because of this. You heard God speak and you said no and you had to find a way out. Whereas if you hear God speak and you say yes to him on whatever it is that he's talking to you about, it makes it so much easier to say that next yes. It makes it so much easier to step into that next place of calling. And it makes it so much easier to live your life with God because you don't have that, that hanging feeling of I know he wants me to do this, but I'm not doing it. There's a tension there. And having this family dinner, it may not feel like that big of a deal, and, and maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but saying yes to God when he speaks to you, that is a big deal. Because what scripture tells us is, you know, there's a day for salvation. There's a time that passes us by. So for us as a church family, I want you to learn to see the importance that when God puts something on my heart, to make a phone call, to change a behavior, to add something to how our family does life. I want you to learn to see the importance of saying yes to that whenever our Heavenly Father asks. Because He has something for you. He has a calling for you. He has a purpose for you. But we've got to choose to pick it up. And so this is the challenge. This is what I want you to want to follow you home today is I want you to reclaim the table. There, I want you to take a couple of these cards in case one gets lost, in case you start talking to someone, you need to give it to them. And I want you to leave it on your dining room table all week long. And on the back of it, it's got seven questions. And if you need help starting conversation, pick one per night and talk. You can do this every night of the week if you want to. At least three dinners per week, though. That's the challenge. Phone's in a different room. TV is off. Sorry, kids. You'll be okay. You'll actually learn to love it. Intentional conversations and pray together at every meal. And this might feel like something that's small, but that's how God loves to start a work. Loves to start it in a small way. And just like I said, I think, I think there's a healthy thing about the physical coming in line with the spiritual, 
And so I'm going to ask that if this is something that you feel like this specific challenge about the meals, if this is something that you specifically feel like I need to do this, I'm going to ask you to stand up to show your family that this is where we're going. And so I'm going to count to three. Or some of you guys are ready. I love it. One, two, three, stand up. If this is where you're going. It's awesome. That's great. I'm going to pray for you. Lord, I thank you so much for these people who, who sense that, that this is something they should do. This is something they need to do. And I, I thank you that, that you, you bless as we walk in obedience. So Father, may your blessing be apparent in their life. For, for the changes that occur and the stress that is felt, give them the strength that they need to lead through it. And encourage their hearts, encourage their faith, bind their family closer together, bind their friends closer together. And may they sense your presence in their household as they worship you through the way they lead their families. Pray for each person in this room that whatever you ask, that our answer would always be an immediate yes. Not because we know we need to be obedient, but because we know that we love you. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Would you stand with us as we sing?